Welcome to Strat on the Wall, the podcast that unveils the power of effective goal setting and strategic planning. I'm your host, Tanner, co-founder and co-CEO of One Mini. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by my fellow co-founder and partner in the business, Mike Horworth. Together, we'll delve into the transformative benefits of the OKR method. I believe that's one of the main benefits that we try to introduce by developing a method is creating a scalable, yet adaptable, robust overlay framework, which means you can get the benefits of using OKRs without having to confuse people. Uncovering the secrets behind crafting meaningful objectives and exploring the best practices that drive success. Why are you doing that? What are you looking for? How would you validate that that's providing any benefit to your customer? And then you start seeing them opening up and thinking about the customer. So that's really where you're trying to drive them towards is get them to think about that in a slightly different way to, to they have so far. You need leadership buy-in. I think it's more than buy-in though. Leadership have to sit and walk and talk the same language. We've seen this when we've gone in and done repair jobs that a part of the organization does OKLs this way and other parts doing it this way. You start getting subcultures occurring. To listen to all these and more, stay tuned into this episode of Chat on the Wall. Welcome everyone to our very first podcast from one of many. We've called it Strat on the Wall. Um, the reason why it's called that, nothing particularly fancy or imaginative. Our offices are on London Wall and our business is all about strategy. So we decided to put both of those things together, being the creative cats that we are, and we called it Strat on the Wall. Um, I'm Tana, uh, Tana Capucci. I'm one of the co-founders, co-CEO of the business. I am joined by my business partner, fellow co-founder and fellow co-CEO, Mike Horwath. Um, Hello. Yeah, welcome. Uh, we've been running one of many now for the better part of three years. It's a very new, young organization. And you know what? We wanted to jump on the same bandwagon as everyone else. And we thought everyone else is out here talking about what they do, but we rarely ever talk. We don't tell anyone about what we do, probably because we're doing so many hours every day working till God knows what time that it felt appropriate now because we've been three years in. We've got a lot of experience. We've worked with clients large and small I think we have something to share and I think we've got something decent to talk about particularly around the topic of strategy and more importantly not how it's created but also how it's implemented and I think that's what we wanted to focus on in this first episode was really looking at um, again thinking of sexy episode titles is not really our strong suit so what I've got down on the piece of paper in front of me is implementing a strategy management framework in an organization which Oof. is a bit of a mouthful rolls off the tongue it does isn't it it's uh immediately captures the attention um but what we're really yeah but what we're really talking about here is how to just bring this stuff to life how to make it real for um the people in the teams for everyone in and around an organization at whatever level strategy doesn't need to just exist at the top that's the problem isn't it yeah yeah it exists everywhere um one of our founding principles is the idea that strategy is derived it does come from somewhere but another principle we add to that is that strategy exists at every level because everyone has the opportunity to be able to influence it and deliver against it. Um, so we were going to talk about that today. We we're really going to talk about how to implement this stuff. Um, we were going to kind of cover, we were going to cover the structures and the approaches. So like more of the technical stuff, right? This is where we get to put on our SME hat and talk from an expert expert perspective on these topics. What we also wanted to do was introduce the OKR method. So that's something that 
we both co-authored and what we've been pretty much implementing into a lot of organizations over the last few years is how to take the ideas about OKRs, which are just mainly written in book and it's all very good theory, but how to actually bring it to life because it's one of like the number one pain points that we hear from our clients is we've read the book, but we just don't know how to bring this to life or we've tried it and it doesn't quite work the way we expect it to. Because naturally, these ideas, when they come into organizations, they hit different barriers and barriers come in the forms of silos or department heads. It can, it can manifest itself through people, process, technology. The, the challenges can exist in different places. So we designed the method to help because that's what we do as consultants and as transformation agents. And our background has been in transformation for the last 15 years. This is pretty much our bag. It's the thing we do. So we wanted to bring all of those experiences to bear. So we'll, we'll kind of be walking through all of those things. So Mike is the technician between us. He's the business architecture guru. So I think it would be best if uh, Mike was to kick us off. Mike, what is the OKR method? What is this mythical thing that I've just <laughs> explained for the last five minutes? I think you coined it actually. You said it's a lightweight lightweight overlay framework yeah. for an organization to implement and adopt objectives and key results. And I think yeah. romantically, we're just following on from what you said, it's how we met, wasn't it? In one of the first companies we were working to transform, they were adopting OKRs and everyone had read the books and got the ideas and the concepts, but doing it for real, everyone really struggles at it. You know, they have people coming in from different directions, yeah. different ideas and different thinking about how to do it. And all of a sudden, rather than having something that's aligning and creating engagement across an organization, you've got the opposite effect. Very much so. Um, I think that's everything we've seen, because it has been a few years, I'll be honest. We, I didn't mention how long it's been at the start of the episode, but it's been a considerable amount of time. We've known each other now for the better part of seven years, and it's consistently been... The issues right we keep seeing this over and over again and it's part of the challenge is people try to they treat it as um a thing in of itself rather yeah. than something that can coexist so well, people try to replace it replace okrs so you hear this argument a lot right okrs are here to replace kpis so you don't need to install one thing to replace the other both of them can coexist which is the ideas of an overlay framework isn't it in the sense that you can put this on top of, you can dress it on top of what you've already got. It can coexist with the other um, business performance tools or metrics, whatever else you've got in the business. This can all feed off one another to create a nice little ecosystem. There are some competing ideas and it's mindful of the red flags, but this can exist with other things. And I believe that's one of the main benefits that we try to introduce by developing a method is creating a scalable, yet adaptable, robust overlay framework which means you can get the benefits of using OKRs without having to replace or confuse people with different terminology, language or systems and approaches. Well, it speaks to what you were saying before. It's very reductive. I think people implement OKRs in quite a reductive way. Um, just replace this or take KPIs and now do OKRs. And yeah. don't think holistically about what OKRs are actually going to do to the whole organization when you implement it. Well, it's funny you say that because I think that's, that principle of how reductively people may implement these things. We, we teach a lot about this topic. Um, we talk about the implementation of strategy and a strategy management lifecycle and how typically a lot of initiatives when they come in the business will start off as outcomes, but then they eventually become deliverables. They become projects. 
and implementing OKRs, you can pretty much imagine the irony of it is you're you building an outcome-based yeah, system that yeah. reports on outputs. But gets put into a company because it's come from someone up on high that we need OKRs. So therefore, it becomes a project and then it becomes a set of deliverables and tasks. And then it just becomes a... It's just if you look project. at the, uh, the the data on the internet as well, so we look at intent-based data, what people are trying to understand, all of the data suggests everyone's Googling how to write OKRs. Or, you know, the new thing is ChatGP is, or we use ChatGP to write our OKRs. Not really understanding actually what we're trying to do through this. It's a process of creation. It's a creative process in and of itself. Yeah. Not a, a way of just expressing the activity that we're doing today. So we're missing the essence of it by, by taking these approaches. And it's very much... It, it's taken as a, the skill is in the writing, write an objective and write some key results and that's it. That's all we need to do. Yeah. So remember that when we were in places, like for example, when we were with a rather large retail bank and, and that was the same thing. It was, you've got one hour, get your OKRs written out and yeah. everyone just writes it out. You know, we're going to, uh, by the end of this quarter, we'll have rolled out this application. We're going to increase this service. We're going to test X amount of something. Well, what's the point in that? You already know that information through the delivery uh, data that you've got. So actually getting to understand what's the impact, what's the business value that we're going to create by doing that, that gets completely missed because, well, we're writing OKRs, so we must be doing OKRs. And then that's yeah. the biggest challenge I think everyone's facing is writing OKRs is a very, very small part of doing and living and breathing the essence of what OKRs are supposed to do for an organization isn't just the writing of it. Well, you miss all these other benefits, don't you? I mean, when, like I've heard that comment about ChatGPT as well. Yeah. It's a fantastic tool and it's very, yeah, very great. helpful for sure. But you do miss everything. Like the benefits of OKRs yeah. comes in the alignment, the focus, the communication, 100%. the transparency in the conversations between people, right? Because strategy is very difficult to communicate and it's very difficult to it be is. understood. The accountability part of it as well. Like if you're not talking, if you're handing off the accountability to an AI to write something for you, then how invested are you going to be in it? The exactly. AI can assist you and help you in writing it, but it really shouldn't write it for you. Well, it's the same thing as Googling, like give me an example of uh, engineering departments, OKRs, and then you take them and you, you pass them off as your own. Completely misses the essence of what the exercise is about. It's about that level of communication as a team of people. How do we get together and actually communicate what we want to do? How do we take accountability and ownership for that? And I think one of the... I feel privileged in the role that we do when we go out and we coach teams and we see the changes in their behavior when we're working with them over a series of you know, events to yeah. invest into understanding what it is they're strategically trying to do, what value they're trying to create. Huge change in, in the behaviors, isn't there, in how people behave and what they do. It reminds me a lot. I, I often like to lean into metaphors and I like to look for examples inside and outside of our industries. But... I remember working with developers and they would always say to me that the actual coding was only about 20% of mm. the work. The other 80% was going into the thinking and problem solving and trying 100%. to make sense of what was happening. But the other examples that come to my mind, um, like a, a comedian is on stage, right? And their act looks very natural and normal, but we don't realize the hours that get spent mm. into drafting and writing content. Similarly, when you look at someone like Usain Bolt, I think there was some statistic that Usain Bolt has professionally over 15 years of his career only ran two minutes yeah it's something like it. crazy yeah. that's that yeah and we see the gold medals and we see all of that but mm. we don't see the hard it's work that goes into training the 15 years mm. of calling diets I view strategy in the same way 
everything we do internally, everything we do or clients do internally for themselves, this is all the background stuff that their customers won't see, that shareholders will have some influence over but won't see. It's that thing that we're doing every single day, that groundwork, which is setting us up for success, right? Because all we see is the bottom line when, co when companies publish their results for the year. No one sees that the investment of time that goes into creating the right strategies to make sure that the companies are doing the right things in the first place to serve them is a big, big effort. And communication is probably one of the most expensive things. It's very expensive. Right? That's one of the biggest challenges lots of people have with implementing OKRs. And the amount of times we speak with leaders when we explain how much effort you need to put it up front into OKRs. And there's not only a bit of a shock look from people. Really? Do we have to, what would we be doing in that time? You know, so, because again, I think strategies are only being done by leaders. They disappear off for, you know, their away days at the end of every year and they have half a day out in a nice hotel somewhere and they create strategy. They come back and they tell the whole organization and everybody forgets in five minutes. There's so much good research out there that people don't know what the strategy of the organization is. So they don't actually yeah. know where they're going and they don't know why. So when you're doing it within a team, for example, creating OKRs, you need to put some time and effort into it and make it exactly exactly event. but that's the thing no one actually well i say no one i'll take that back <laughs> when we're talking about what the key considerations would be when anyone's trying to start out with using our okr method or even just trying to implement okrs in the first place where we said just now that communication is expensive is because the investment of time required is high it is high. right communication it attributes the time because you need to spend time talking to people We've been in certain scenarios where we get the odd, um, can you teach us how to be OKR experts? Can you teach us train the trainer techniques so we can yeah. do Remember it? Remember that one when we had it, can you do it in an hour? Well, they, they always end up with an hour. <laughs> yeah. And that's that, all you can get with leadership, one hour to understand the framework, the structure, the approach, the yeah. way of writing, the outcomes you're looking for. No. It's an immediate red flag. Yeah. And that investment of time is something that, I think a lot of companies have to take into consideration, especially now, given that the current climate, your strategy is not as rigid as it used to be. No, changing all the time. You need to be highly adaptable because the amount of data that's available and the amount of insight and the relationship between company and customer is so close now. It's probably the closest it's ever been for quite a long time. To be able to act on immediate feedback and to be able to pivot is a company's single biggest strength. Yeah, a lot of the way that things are set up though, they can't do that, can they? You can't pivot because you're running long programs of work over a period of time with X amount of investment. You don't release incrementally value. And I think this is one of the other things that OKRs do that I don't think it's really, you don't see a lot of literature about this. It doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think it massively helps people to be able to slice up value, to think about what are we actually gonna deliver? If you run to a quarterly cadence, for example, you really start getting into a position where you can actually start thinking about, well, actually, what's the benefit we're going to realize in the yeah. next 90 days? How do I bring these ideas forward? So if I'm working on something, uh, the old way we used to do programs is you get the benefit in 18 months or three years' time. So we go to Agile. And now we're just we're doing Agile, right? We're just releasing stuff every, every month or every two months, but it doesn't go to the customer. It's just releasing the software to be ready to go. So... If you can actually do something now and deliver that value earlier, get it out into the hands of the customer, even if it's an MVP. Um, I think OKRs really focuses people on on their yeah. journey to think, okay, 
how do I really test this hypothesis? So how would you advise someone if I was one of those kind of clients yeah. at the moment, how would you advise me to craft the objectives that I need to write? I think a lot of time, the first problem people have is that we're reverse engineering a previous baked solution. So you just start with a question of why are you doing that? You know, so ask, ask questions rather than give advice. Why are you doing that? What are you looking for? How would you validate that that's providing any benefit to your customer? And then you start seeing them opening up and thinking about the customer. So yeah. that's really where you're trying to drive them towards is what's the early release of value that we can do? And then trying to get, get them to think about that in a slightly different way to, to they have so far, because mostly we're thinking about delivery and execution and tasks and activities. So it's okay, we get this and now what? So I've got this thing and it's been done. And now what are we going to do? Well, we do the next thing. Okay. Do we want to know whether that thing was any good? Well, it's not for us to judge. We've just got to do the work. You know? yeah. so it's got, well, would you be interested in learning a little bit about uh, whether that was adopted by your customers or not? Well, we would actually, yeah. Is that a good sign for you? So again, you can start just drilling into really what is it they're trying to achieve? How would they know that they've got there? And it's a totally different conversation to doing stuff. It's now actually validating whether that stuff was any use. So it's much more open, a bit more facilitated. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can see people thinking, it's like, oh, I've not thought this way before. I'm not, you know, so a good example working, uh, lots of organizations are going on data or cloud migrations. Hmm. And it's very hard because these things take a long time. And it's mostly about the idea of deploying new applications or software into the live environments over a long period of time. So get one done, move to the next, move to the next, et cetera. So working with team recently, start asking the question of, well, how do you know if it's successful? Is that in a financial institution? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's very interesting because they, they believe going to cloud will have all the big picture stuff, of course, you know, reduce costs, et cetera. But some of the things down at the bottom was, you know, for an engineer, what's the benefit for the engineer that's getting this service? Because they're ultimately the person that's using it. Whilst the chief executive gets to report to the board that they've reduced operational costs, the engineer at the ground is the one that maybe suffers if you get a crap solution or you get something that's not fun, not usable, uh, you know, can we go back to the service we had before? So your people are unhappy. But if we can focus them on say, okay, well, how do we know it's better for the engineer? Well, it's supposed to be able to run your test framework faster, or you're supposed to be able to get more computations done, or it reduces the amount of lines of code you need to do, or whatever that might be that gives the benefit. Well, can we start measuring that? Can we go and ask your customers what they're looking for? How, for an engineer, would you know that it's a benefit to them to actually have that product or service. Uh, uptake, for example, is a, is a really good one I found with cloud people is how quick do your customers consume your new service? So normally you would do it on a, we're going to cut you off by a certain date. So you've got to migrate to the new platform or service. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of it's tough shit, basically. <laughs> so so but, how, how did you help that team um, understand the key results? Because you're talking about key results, right? You're giving them the measures. Yeah, so in this one, you've got a lot of solution already baked in because we're, we're rolling out a new platform or service. So the objective might be around that. So what they had was a target group of people that they wanted to move first. So actually, once they started thinking about that, we then started thinking about, okay, well, what does good look like for you with those folks? Yeah. You know? Because um, I think this is important because um, for anyone who might be listening to this, from our experiences, and I can say this is shared, a lot of times when people start out with OKRs for the first time, the key results tend to be activities. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they tend to be things that they're looking to deliver. The key result being the target in this instance that if I have to, in that example, it will probably be delivery of a, a feature. Yeah, or, yeah, or you know, um, 
let's say migrate five of 10 services. Yeah. You know, complete, X, you know, a good one we've seen before, isn't it? Complete X amount of tests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit, um, hit a 90% test coverage. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's always a good one, isn't it? You know, which forces all the wrong behaviors, but that's probably another topic. Target-driven behavior is something yeah. else, and it is a red flag when you're implementing OKRs, but how do you help a, how do you help a team understand that with the key results, all we're looking to do is measure progress so move away from a, is it done, yes or no? That's a good and question. And move to a state of, um, this was done, and what did we learn as a result of it? That's a really good one, is, is asking about the learning. So um, a good thing to do is do that whole idea of future forecasting. What we're good at saying is we're going to deliver X and Y by a certain date, but what we're not so good at saying, well, what's the change in state? What will the world look like in yeah. 90 days? So I've got this new thing. What does the world look like? Uh, for the first, people are a little bit stumped by that because it's quite an open question. But if you think about it, so well, if you can't do it for yourself, what about your customers? So give me an ideal customer. So let's say, Tanya, you're my, my customer. I'll put myself in your shoes. Also creates empathy, by the way, which I think is a great thing to be doing, empathy for your customer, is what, what's better for him? How's his world changed or her world changed? And then you start working back from there rather than working forward from the solution. So work back from the value that you think the user or the customer, the recipient of the benefit you're trying to gain what's in it for them you know and then you work from there yeah walking my shoes is always yeah. a great thing yeah. isn't it to be able to step into a different to, st to look at a situation from a different perspective yes and i think the one i was mentioning a minute ago with the engine uh, the the team that then start thinking about the customers actually yeah. we normally go for an approach where we just give them a deadline date and they have to move so how can we help the customers move so start with that idea of, okay, if you have to do that, they were kind of like they felt uncomfortable with it. What is it you feel uncomfortable about? Because they're engineers themselves. So, well, we don't really like being told I've got to shift my tech stack. I've got to do something different now, you know, and it's change is hard for people. So all of a sudden you've got engineers thinking about change management. How do I help my customers migrate to the new platform? Uh, how do I make it worth their while? What's in it for them? You know, yeah. rather than what's in it for us, because we got a delivery manager or program manager telling us to get, get this done and you've got to get it done by this date. So here's my OKRs, get get this stuff done by this date. Well, that was going to be my next question, was because it? I think it would be uh, good for the people listening. Because um, one of the one of the challenges that uh, inevitably, inevitably arise is we do good work with the teams. We make yeah. progress. We can get to a state where we're writing OKRs for them. But what happens when you do take it up the chain? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've seen recently, haven't we, they get rewritten for leadership to consume. So I think that's the that, worst example. That's the worst example. Yeah, but that, yeah. that doesn't always happen. But, no. Um, what advice do you? What advice would you give to people when they're in that position where they've written really good OKRs, they've started bottom up, even though our advice would be to always start from the top, but you're not always trying to pull down, but you're not always given that freedom and benefit, right? And sometimes you want to experiment with the idea and um, get it off the ground in the team that you're in. How do you then go upwards with the OKRs? It's a great question because you know we built a solution to this into the OKR method, didn't we? <laughs> with the, with we the, did. We did. Um, so with the two-week rollout or the agenda, I'm going to try to stop knocking the table, but two-week agenda and the rollout, you, you have to do vertical and horizontal alignment. So we try and give people... Um, who are using OKRs a better understanding of that, that at a certain point you're refining your OKRs. So normally we recommend people do a two-week process, don't we, which is the refined design line. So spend two weeks on your OKRs, uh, if you've got that luxury, that is. 
maybe you split that out into four two-hour sessions. So the idea is you can go away and ideate and have a think. But in between those sessions, what you also want to do is go and vertically and horizontally align. Go speak to your colleagues, make sure they're aligned, they understand what you're doing, if you've got any dependencies, have those conversations, get alignment. But the most important thing is checking upwards. Go up to your stakeholders potentially, go to your manager or you know your, your division head or whatever it might be, whatever the hierarchy you have in your organization. But go and have that conversation and show them the OKRs, get the feedback, get guidance as you go through the process. So it, you're getting uh, continuous and ongoing feedback and learning yeah. through the process rather than just doing it. And then you throw this to them and expect them to go like, I can't believe you wrote that that way. Perfect. It's exactly what I wanted because you know, it never happens. Right? Everyone goes, well, I thought I was going to get this, you know? So you've got to take everyone on a journey. And I think you, you, OKRs is great for that if you do it. You know, as you know, that if you just leave it till the end, you're going to get burnt. Pretty much, yeah. We've seen that a lot. But whilst we're on the topic, I'm actually thinking about it now. Um, what other challenges do you think people would face? Because the leadership one, for me, is, is the biggest. The moment you try to go upwards because your limit is your leader, right? So any kind of change initiative you want to bring into a department, division, organization, wherever you are, you're going to hit a ceiling at some point. So being able to work through that is important. But it would be useful for people to also understand what are some of the other, we mentioned one earlier about the key results being activities, but from what you've seen, what else are, What else is out there? What is the common pitfalls? What, what can people be aware of that the books don't tell you about? Implementing OKRs or actually running with them? Where, where Implementing both. them. Implementing both. Right, yeah. probably both. Like, where, where do we see like the common issues appearing the most? I think you'd agree with the biggest one in implements culture. I think because uh, I slipped this a lot earlier into conversations I have now, which is around OKRs being contracts. Because what I what I'm coming to believe is that that's one of the biggest cultural changes. Because we're very used to, as we say, we see activity happening. We're helping people to reverse engineer activity, but when we do this. One of the biggest blockers, and you say it limits the leader, is the leader's expecting stuff to be done and they need by a certain time. So they've timed OKRs that are more outcome or out, um, focused, quite difficult because they're now saying, well, when am I getting my things? Yeah. <laughs> so having the reverse uh, thing going on, which is why is it so important? Uh, a good example is a, is a very, very large broadcasting organization that have dishes on the side of houses. And one of the things they said was, well, we've got a, we've got a schedule. You know, we're launching a new TV show. We, we, we go out and we do a huge marketing spend, a huge amount of budget on this. So this idea of just being able to drift around and focus on outcome is not so great because we need dates and things. So that's the first one is this idea that OKRs aren't contracts. It's a hypothesis. I think I'm going to do some stuff and it's going to create some outcome for me. And I'm going to go and test and learn for the next quarter, figure that out, take the learning to continuously improve. But at the same time, someone's saying, well, if I don't have this by March, I've got a whole marketing campaign that's going to be screwed up. So you've got these competing things happening within an organization between outcome focus and also output focus. So that's the first thing I think you have to lean into to understand is what's the domain. So meet meet the customer where they're at, or you know, as an organization, I'm speaking to you directly as a you know person in the team or a leader, understand where you're at, understand what are the important things for you. So you may need some element of activity OKRs, that pragmatic view, yeah. you know, because that's that's the environment you're in. Well, I think what is what you're saying, what's coming up for me now when I'm hearing you say it, is what's the purpose of OKRs in the context that you're in? How yeah, do yeah. you want to implement them? Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. 
um, some people want to performance manage their organization with yeah. them. Others want to use it as improvement drivers. You've been in some of them, haven't you? <laughs> I've been in some of them, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, definitely had quite a range of experiences up until now. But so culturally, yes, culture is probably one of the biggest factors. It's one that we don't talk about a lot in terms of its adoption, but it's something that well, I think a lot of the OKR platforms out there are trying to make you feel like OKRs are easy. You know, that's part of the secret sauce, isn't it? That's easy to do this, okay, I was just writing an objective and a key result, but actually it's gonna have a huge impact. If you do it properly, it's gonna have a huge impact on your culture. Unless you're already, like we said with the OKR method, the idea is there's a lightweight framework to overlay. Yeah. That if you understand your culture and you understand what you're looking at of OKRs and you implement it like that, it should work for you. Because what you'll do is you put in the guardrails. So for example, if I come into your organization that has a marketing cutoff date, we've got billboards all around the country, I can't lose this being delivered for me. Well, you may be okay with then having um, OKRs that are focused on activity or deliverables, right? And then I'm getting a measure or a report that's letting me know how close or how at risk that is. That's okay. But it's the learning, isn't it? So you can put in 50 million for a marketing spend, but if you're not taking the data and then analyzing to see what the actual impact was on the customer, because again, even in those, even in those types of um, projects, the delivery is the main focus, not so much yeah. the learning. Well, you might have two types. Of, I always forget what the other one, what the Google committed, that's it, committed. So you've got aspirational committed OKRs. Yeah. So that might be all right in your organization because then normally when we work with those type of companies, we reflect on the culture and say, well, look, a good thing to do is get a barometer. So have a look at how many of your OKRs, well, how many of your key results really are aspirational and how many are committed. Because then you can get a good balance for like, actually what's going on in the organization. You can say like 50% of the stuff that we chase is aspirational. It's hypothesis driven. It's innovative. 50% is more focused on helping us to achieve deliverables and outputs. I mean, that might be okay. But you may be a, a very, very tech savvy product company that's new into the market, innovative, trying to disrupt. You know, um, you're looking for product market fit what you probably want to be doing is really understanding the, the outcome you're trying to create. So I would probably go in a little bit more to where my natural stance would be. I don't know about you, but it's like, okay, I should be aspirational. They shouldn't yeah. be about outputs. So again, I think that's the cultural thing. You've got to understand your culture, be comfortable with it, and then design the OKR system to make sure it's reflective of that. And you may find that you're able to see change in the organization or culture change as a result of OKRs. Observe the system first, and that's something you've always taught me. Look at the system, see what it's telling you. Yeah, seek to understand. Seek to try understand. and you know try and we talk a lot about this idea of um, first trying to make sense of your environment, yeah. understand what's happening in it. Um, what are some best practices do you think we would advise people? Oh, that's a wide question. <laughs> it is, it is. But when we're talking about implementing OKRs, like, let's just assume uh, yeah, that yeah. there is some things which are already. I think something you got to do. But I think that. Let's just say you've got yeah. leadership buy-in. Leadership buy-in is a great one. Um, in, unless you just all need, yeah, if, if you're if happy working it, your own team. It, what, what would be some best practices you would advise to people? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think that's one of the ones is get, if you want to do it in the whole organization rather than as an experiment in a small team or something, yeah. which is fine, you need leadership buy-in. I think it's more than buy-in though. Leadership have to sit and walk and talk the same language. Because it's very important. Otherwise, you get different pockets of people assuming that OKRs are doing different things. And then you end up, again, with a... It's almost like a malfunction in the system. We've seen this when we've gone in and done repair jobs, that 
a part of the organization does OKRs this way and other parts doing it this way, you start getting subcultures occurring. So that's the first one. Um, and slightly tied into that, I'd also say you, you've got to understand what you're trying to get out of it. So why are you using OKRs? Because if you're using OKRs because Google did or because it's the latest fad on the ground, then you're going to have a problem. You really need to understand why you want to get it. If you really want to move towards value realization, focusing on outcomes and impact and understanding your customers and the value you deliver, I think right now there is no better strategy management framework than OKRs. So, but you've got to decide that's what you want from it, I think, because then you can actually then proliferate that through the organization, get that messaging out to everyone. This is what we're really trying to do. Otherwise, we've seen down on the ground, haven't we, that lots of people think it's just more, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, bureaucracy. more bureaucracy, yeah, yeah, more bureaucracy. What else is the one that people complain about? It's more management sort of overhead. Management reporting. Bullshit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bullshit, waste of time. Where we side of desk activity, yeah, yeah. It's just like, I've got OKRs to do. The product owner goes smash it out in a room somewhere on his own for yeah. half an hour and then just spit it up the food chain to get someone off your back. Well, I think that leads into a bit of advice I would like to give people is we, we spoke to this idea earlier, but uh, another thing is don't rush it. Yeah. You know, best practice, if you, if you think this is a compliance activity, then that means you'll do the bare minimum for it. Oh, you should say more about comp compliance mindset, yeah? What's that all about? Well, compliance mindset is when, I, well, it's, I don't know if it's a thing or not, but it's how I've labeled it at least, when people can't be bothered to do, well, it's when people don't understand what they need to do or they don't understand the importance or purpose of it, what they generally do is apply a compliance mindset to it, which is boiled down to, I've got to do this thing. I don't really know why I'm doing it. I don't know why it's important, but this is now a burden to me because it's impacting on my capacity and my availability. So it means I'm going to offer it the minimal amount of attention I need to and effort to just get that tick in the box and say it's done. So that whole, the, the patterns of behavior that we see around the implementation of OKRs, the writing of OKRs, people sticking it into tools is because they generally don't want to be bothered with it so it's That's just a throwaway activity so the best practice a good um uh best practice on that one what's that well it is um i think i cut you up i think you're about to <laughs> well i was going to go on to say about the best practice around uh time management is important yeah. because you know you need to invest time into these things because um trying to do it in an hour it's just going to disenfranchise people even more because you're not giving it the level of you're not giving the process the level of respect it needs in order for it to achieve what it has to achieve for you, right? Yeah, I was going to add on to that. It's the idea as well. Of the, I believe OKR is a sport, so that's the best practice. Well. It's a team sport, yeah? So we play it together as a team, not individuals. But as a team, what we probably need to do is understand what our purpose is. And if you don't have a purpose as a team, at least maybe have a value proposition of like what it is you're trying to do. Like how are Come you going? Common goal, yeah. But that's the definition of any team, right? Yeah. You need a common goal. You need a common goal. So you've got to start there. So I think a lot of teams, particularly at one company I remember working at, particularly when we were offshore, a lot of those teams there didn't really have anything they anchored to as a group. So they were just doing work. So the first thing we did there was help them understand what their value prop was. Like, what is it you do for the organization? How do you help this organization improve? How do you go home every day and feel happy in your work? Like, what do you tell your wife, children, your partner, you know, friends, whatever it might be? 
you know, and you've got a, a group of people that are just and we don't talk about work really. And it's not because, you know, we don't want to talk about work because it's boring or anything like that. It's just they don't really want to talk about it. They, they weren't connected to it. So we run some exercise and understand what's the value that this team delivers for the organization. By the time they finish this, they're quiet and they're, oh, wow, we've not thought about it like this before. Okay, cool. So this is the value that you're delivering as an organization. What are we going to achieve next quarter from that guiding principle? And that massively changes people's perspectives. So that's a good practice I'd suggest for everyone at a team level. Make sure you understand why you exist as a team. What's your purpose? And then OKR's done well in an organization. I think it's when purpose goes. We talk about purpose a lot. We're a purpose-driven organization. I think in purpose-driven organizations, OKRs work fantastically well. Yeah, the reason why purpose is important as well, just for everyone who's listening. Um, another big thing with OKRs is this idea that we want to move to a place of being effective over efficiency. Efficiency is important, but what we really want to do is when we're thinking from a customer's perspective is how do we become effective? And the only way you can measure effectiveness is if you understand the purpose. If you understand the purpose of a system, then you can measure it for its effectiveness. How well is it at achieving its purpose? How well is it at serving its intended customer audience? So um, you won't hear a lot of people mentioning that in regards to OKRs. No, no, it's, it's, a, it's a system that's aligned to purpose. I think so. And again, I think it resonates with, with people as we're becoming a little bit more conscious that I think in organizations and people are looking for connection to purpose. And understanding how they do, you know, how, how do I make an impact when I come You've to work every day? You've got some stats on this. You've got numbers, in it. Yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you teach them? So. <laughs> yeah, I always forget that they get it wrong. You put it on, you commit it to podcasting and someone's going to, you know, drop a comment saying you got it wrong. But um, yeah, there's a lot of good statistics out there that talk about, um, particularly brands that are, are purpose-driven, that uh, especially as the generational changes are coming along. Um, for those of us, in, you know, listening for yourself, you've got children. The more aligned to this thing, aren't they? They, they? they get it a little bit more. They're growing up in this world. Well, all the data that we look at tells us that, doesn't it? People, yeah. uh, purpose-driven companies are outperforming, outperforming more traditional sure. organizations. People are willing to spend more on purpose-driven companies. Yeah, they are. Um, we've got lots of statistics. We teach this stuff in our training as well. Um, Microsoft, about the 10% of their ideas are the ones that work and the rest are just experiments. Yeah, I think that speaks to the to the other one, which is the culture thing, isn't it? So the purpose It's the one, culture. Yeah. But it's how OKRs have become so prevalent over the last 30 years as well. It speaks to the history and why yes. these ideas are now starting to have a bit more gravitas to them. And they're, they, carry a bit, they carry a bit more weight in conversations because you're hearing top execs now talk about outcomes. You're hearing yes. middle management talk about outcomes. Well, it's moving down. I think that's the interesting thing. That if you remember when the Agile movement first started, one of the big things to come remember now... David Arquette, is it David, not David Arquette, he's a film guy. But David L. Marquette. Marquette, that's it, yeah, Marquette. If I've said it right. Yeah. Yeah. Submarine guy. And, you know, it was this idea about pushing... Naval captain, I think. It was, <laughs> was pushing information to the point of decision-making to the point of information, you know, and um, intent-based leadership, et cetera. That really started seeing that a lot happening in the organizations. and But it's quite difficult. So we can come in and we do transformation work where agile coaches are there and... You're going in and talking to teams and saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to empower you. Yeah, we're going to push, you know, um, decision-making down to you. It's very hard to do that because the decisions are getting taken somewhere else. So I think where OKRs come in, it's absolutely fantastic, is that we're now aligning ourselves to, to purpose and to intent 
through the OKRs. And then we're allowing the next set of people to say, okay, based on the information we have, we think this is the way that we're going to be able to help you. So I think a lot of those changes you're seeing in what people's expectations are at work, OKRs brings to life usually. That's why I like it, you know, because I've seen the inability to deliver on some of the promises that we made. Uh, how many transformations have you done? <laughs> you come in with a lot of good intent, yeah. but the system itself isn't set up to allow those things to happen for you. But there's a Deming quote like that, isn't there? About uh, what, what does the Deming quote say again? Uh, a bad system would always be a good Break it, Yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. But we, we see it enough in the, in the work that we do in transformation. Everywhere. Yeah, OKRs again, I think really help support and fix those, those problems. Mike, um, I think this is a topic that we could be talking about for hours, but I'm conscious yeah. of our time and conscious of uh, the people's listen people who are listening in their time and want to make sure that this is uh, meaningful for them so if we had to recap yeah we spoke about the okr method we spoke about the benefits of implementing an overlay framework giving people the guardrails yeah but not to the extent that it removes creativity i think it's balancing that out more successfully than some of the other ways of doing transformation and change has done i think so far yeah. We spoke about some of the pitfalls and challenges, stuff around leadership, right? Talking about getting that buy-in. Yeah, ducks in a row. Yeah, leaders being the limit, doing your horizontal vertical alignments, making sure that you get the right people, essentially taking on the journey, as you were saying earlier. And uh, we spoke about time. Time came up a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big commitment in OKRs. And if you're going to do it, you've got to be prepared for that from the beginning. The results are great. But it's like anything, you know, if I go if I go to the gym for five minutes a year, I'm not going to be very fit. No. So you won't. I don't know what you'll be after five minutes <laughs> in the gym, to be honest. You say you'll be a tourist if you only did it for five minutes. Yeah. But that's what a lot of people are doing, the touring around OKRs rather than actually doing it. We also spoke about best practices, and I think there were some really useful ones there to share again where we spoke about the challenges being around leadership, the best practices is if you can get your leadership, get them bought in, but not yeah. just bought into the idea to say, okay, I approve you to go and do this, but actually take them on a journey. Yeah, you have to, if you want to do it top to bottom. Yeah, because you've got to be in it to win it, as they say. Yeah. You know, Same when you play the lottery, you've got to be in it to win it. If you're not in it, then you can't win. Yeah. We've got some background noise here as well, which is probably prompting us to finish soon. Well, when the cleaners arrive, you know it's time to go home, right? Yeah. Go to the pub. It's yeah, nice and sunny that, out here. That, that, that's our... That's our... Cue to leave. That's our hours, isn't it? Yeah. We, we know when we start hearing the hoovers, that's when we know that we need to leave. <laughs> so final thoughts. Yeah. You know, this is our first podcast. This is the first time we've sat in a room and actually yeah. spoken about this. It's been fun. It has been fun. Um, need to brush up on my stats. Brush up on your stats? <laughs> I think we... Surprisingly, we don't probably get enough time to talk. <laughs> we don't actually get to talk about the things we create, which I guess is the purpose of this podcast. We were talking about purpose earlier and how mm. it's important, how important it is. Yeah, it's, been fun. it's probably worth reiterating to people that the purpose of this was us just trying to share some of our experiences. So, yeah, 100%. You know. I think we've both got an idea we really want to share these things. And there's not a lot of good information about OKRs out there, really, in the world. If you, if you Google it, there's a lot of bad stuff out there so you, similar to you know people want to writing okrs and chat gpt yeah. all you hear is about 
oh, I did OKRs and my company made 200 million. Yeah, yeah. But no one tells you how. No. They don't tell tell you about the war stories. They don't tell you about the experiences on the ground. So I would like to hope that we can use this forum to help share some of those stories because... Yeah, people don't like to, you know... We've got wins, but I've got some failures as well, so... Uh, so no, it leads to the culture and behavior of OKRs as well, isn't it? So you mentioned it earlier, Microsoft, where um, I think Microsoft and Booking.com did some really interesting research on it where something like 70% of the initiatives failed. That's great because the company's realizing that, you know, that a lot of the time we are inventing, again, I'm going to get my, it's not a stat, but a quote wrong. I think it was Edison invented the light bulb, was it a thousand times before he got there? So I kind of really like these ideas, um, but it, it's not safe to do that in organizations. It's not safe to, um, to make those payoffs. Yeah. Jeff Bezos said, you know, if you ever invest into a thousand things to, to get that one win, I'm okay with that. So well, we want to create a culture of failure is okay. So I guess that's part of the spirit of what we're doing here, isn't it? To very say, much so. I'd like yeah. to think that we're making it safe to talk about these things. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to go so, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, even this is an experiment for us, right? I mean, yeah. the podcasts are part of an OKR that we have internally. So yes. we might be able to share that. Uh, uh, we will share that at some point, I guess. Yeah, I think we may work towards publishing our OKRs on our website so people can actually see ours and see how we do it. Oh yeah, 100%. I think yeah. that's that's definitely part of our ESG drive. It is part of our ESG drive and we want to be sharing those things. So I hope people do tune in and listen again. So we're probably worth thanking everyone. This yeah, is our first, my first yeah, time yeah. of doing this. Uh, we'll I've never see, been in front of a microphone before, so this is... Uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what makes it off the cutting floor. <laughs> uh, Two minutes. So... For anyone who's listening to this for the first time, I'm Tanner, um, joined by Mike, hey. co-founders of one of many co-CEOs. If you wanted to learn more about us and find out more information on what we do and how we do it, you can visit our website, which is www.oneofmany.com. One of many is spelled one as a number and then O-V and then the word many. There is a nuance and a whole history to the name. Uh, I'll happily explain so it next time. a failure story we can share. <laughs> Buy the URL before you name your company. Yeah, buy the URL before you name the company. That's like business tips 101. We might need to do an episode on that as well. Um, You can also find us on LinkedIn as well. So same name, one of many. Um, TikTok. You might get confused uh, when you see our logo because you'll think it's 10 v many, but it's one of many. It's always been that, but get it. We probably need to do a rebrand at some point. Um, we do have some social channels. Uh, we are on TikTok. We like to post there a lot about some of the culture that we have internally because our strap line is that we like to do consultancy differently. So we're, we're a growing organization. We're still young. So we're trying to grow on all these platforms and share more. So I'd say website, LinkedIn, find us, drop us a message. You can find myself and Mike on LinkedIn as well. Please connect, reach out. Happy to talk about OKRs. Yeah, so thank you very much. Thank any you. any last messages you want to share with people? No, just thank you, Tanner, for, for hosting. You've been a, great, a gracious host. I'm glad you've been doing that bit. Let's get to sit here and talk. So you've yeah, done we've all both been hosting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being a willing participant. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to Strat on the Wall, your go-to podcast for organizational transformation insights. If you're looking for help in any of the areas we discuss in the podcast around agile transformation, strategy implementations, and OKR expertise, please reach out to us at www.oneofmany.com. Or better yet, click on the Talk to an Expert button and one of our consultants will be in touch. Happy to help in understanding your opportunities and challenges.